it's live. Welcome back. When is the last time we've done these streams? When is the last time where I got to sit down with y'all to talk about an idea and then bring people on and talk about it from the chat, from the community. Thank you so much. My God, I feel like I've been away for a million years. It's only been like about a week and a half too. If you, for those that have been following the channel, thank you so much for joining me again. We, uh, went up to Pennsylvania from Texas, took a road trip up to visit family and friends. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It was so nice to see all those people. Nuke, uh, microphone placement. I tweaked the lighting a little bit, please. In the comments section, can you hear me? Okay. Can you see me? Okay. I'm playing music in the background. Do you like the music in the background? I'm going to turn it off for now. I don't know if I should keep it on for the whole stream, you know? Because I never really know if that's a good idea or not. But list where you're from in the comments, please. I love how how many different people from different walks of life we have in the um, in the comment section. So I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. So thank you. all. We have a lot of folks that have uh, been following us for a long time in the comment section. Already, we have a always. Everybody loves Tessa Boomer Mama. She's been blowing up in the news because she's out there just ripping on fools and Moody's and S and P, telling them to. Freaking raise Tesla's credit rating. We got Feltrain, longtime uh, a follower of the channel. We got the Tesla community channel, which they're doing an amazing thing. If you haven't checked out the channel, go make sure to check it out. They're out there bringing the community. They're just a community channel. Anybody that's in the Tesla community, from my understanding, can join the channel and talk about topics. So that's been a beautiful thing to follow. Uh, but yeah, we have a bunch of people in. We got people see this. We got Virginia, who I drove. I drove, by the way, Virginia is a gorgeous freaking state. We drove through it go up to Pennsylvania and back the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia. It's like gorgeous. It's like it's like a larger version of Ireland. If you've ever been there. Incredible. Such a beautiful place. Austria, Finland. Uh, Alexandra, not the, I don't know if that's the place or not, or just uh, shouting out Alexandra. <laughs> uh, Los Angeles, Montreal, St. Louis, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. I was in the Lehigh Valley. Not too long ago. Washington. We got more people from LA. Perfect. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Awesome. Um, okay, so let's get started. Yeah, we got people from Denver as well. So 10.69, if you're not aware, is the newest or oh, 10.69.1 now. It's the latest version of full self-driving that was released um, to the Tesla full self-driver uh, testing network for about, I think about a thousand beta testers received it in the last couple of weeks. Uh, coincidentally, the version dropped right around the time I was going on my road trip up to Pennsylvania uh, from Texas. And I got to sort of follow a lot of the reactions of people and, and how it does, you know, Chuck Cook's unprotected left turn and all that stuff. So that was fascinating to watch. But then I spent the last um, sort of week and a half, two weeks, uh, really right before I went on my trip, I really started to think about, okay, so there seems to be a very clear um, end game here where Tesla will solve full self-driving. And uh, I saw Frosty earlier in the in the comments, very, uh, very understandably so, being frustrated <laughs> about why the hell it's taking so freaking long for full self-driving to get there. I'm so tired of hearing it's almost here. I agree. <laughs> I hate my own title, to be completely honest. Um, but you know, the YouTube game is a YouTube game in a way. Um, but it has been a very legitimate sort of uh, criticism of of Elon and Tesla, and this has sort of uh, been backed up by a lot of different voices, you know. But there is a trend. There has been a trend towards that 
completion. It, it might be this year, it might be next year, it might be in two years' time. But it's going to be soon enough to where the implications of that technology are going to be so transformational to society, not just to uh, Tesla, but to the entire end-to-end sort of societal transportation system, if you want to call it, how we get around and what makes sense to use as a solution to get around, that it's never too early to really dig in and discover how this is going to change our society and to try to understand what sort of markets could open because of the potential directions that Tesla will be taking with this technology. And I've been spending so much time thinking about that these last two weeks. You know, of course, I, that's it's always a passing thought. It's always a thought, okay, the robotax is going to happen. Robotax is going to happen. But 10, 10.69 happening and them solving that very difficult left turn, which of course, it's one of many use cases or, or uh, sort of um, exceptions that happen on the road. But it's one that shows how capable Tesla is at solving problems. Even when their lead of AI, Andrew Karpathy, leaves, it's proof that there's people in there that know how to still solve difficult problems. So that for the long-term prospects of the company are very, very, very solid. So with that being said, what does robotaxi mean with this, within this context, right? What is robotaxi? What the hell is robotaxi, right? I don't know if we've really asked that question as much as we should <laughs> as a community or as a as a sort of people that are trying to understand how Tesla is going to go through it. Of course, it gets brought up in conversation and understandably so. Maybe we don't spend too much time talking about it because of the quote unquote slow progress of FSD. But what is RoboTaxi? We still don't know what it is, obviously, because Tesla hasn't talked about it. But let's have, you know, for fun, sit down and let's all of us try to figure out what RoboTaxi actually is and what are its future implications. Okay. Um, once I go through my, what I think, what RoboTaxi is, and I'm pointing to my screen here, which is where I have all the stuff that I've prepared for this live stream, because I'm a professional now, obviously, look at my microphone, it's pointing up instead of sideways. That's how regular people do their microphones. All right, I'm not even funny. <laughs> I'm going to walk through my process first, and I want you to think about where you can poke holes and where you agree with the route that Tesla could take with RoboTaxi and its long-term potential. And then once I finish going through my process, I'm going to do what I used to do not too long ago. I'm going to put the link to join this live stream. If you're joining us live, because this will be recorded as well for people joining us later that will be viewing this on a recorded basis. Um, if you, I'm going to post the link to join the live stream and then you and I, whoever that is, you know, throw out your question, throw out your comment based on the topic that we're just talking about today. And then we'll kind of bounce some ideas around and see what the community thinks of the overall trajectory of this technology and how it could impact Tesla and society um, writ large, right? So let's get into it. Farzad, shut up. You've been talking for half an hour already. My goodness, where is the data? There's some data. Okay. So I pulled up an article from not a Tesla app from uh, a minute ago. And let's see, April 24th, 2022. And this is a picture that was released by, I believe, Boring Company, if I remember correctly. Um, and if, if not a Tesla app created it, thank you very much. I used it for the thumbnail. Sorry if uh, that was wrong, but no, the Boring Company. There you go. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Boring Company. This is a picture of what could be RoboTaxi in the future. Now, what's interesting about this picture is it shows sort of like a, you know, stand up bus style, mini miniature bus style 
type of uh, vehicle. It's it's very reminiscent of a if you've ever been to an airport like I think Orlando and a few other airports have these trams where the little trains look similar to the setup. You know, you have a place to sit and then you can put your luggage in places or whatever. But and it's got a lot of glass, right? But I think what's interesting about this setup is the implications from a manufacture from a manufacturing perspective and how Tesla could create a brand new market for what it means to be a transportation provider. So let me sort of walk you through my logic for that. So I created a Twitter thread while I was driving up, while I was actually passengering up, while my wife was driving a blasting uh, 90s hits or 2000s hits. There was a lot of like NSYNC and Britney Spears and stuff, whatever that was. It wasn't bad. Kind of maybe helped, uh, helped me think through this a little bit by not listening to the music. How Tesla could execute RoboTaxi uh, in the near future. Okay, and here's my threat. So this is how I think about it. There are 100 million cars driven every day in the US right now. And 78% of those, 76% of those is one person per vehicle, right? The way I got this data, very simple. I just Googled a lot of this data while I was driving up to uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's roughly 115 million cars and trucks hitting American streets every day. All right. And there was a separate Google search that I did where between 70 to 80% of those uh, were single passenger vehicles, meaning that there was no carpooling done. The other 9% uh, of the remaining 100 were carpooled, about 76% were not carpooled. And then the remaining is basically multi passenger, right? Where they're not really carpooling, it's just uh, people just traveling and, you know, family road trips. My wife and I go into Pennsylvania, so on and so forth. Okay. And the average cost to run a vehicle is about 80 cents a mile today, right now. Uh, that's if you own the car, if, if you own the average car, and you pay the average amount of fuel or energy to power that car, this is super biased towards gas cars, obviously, because that's what most of the cars are out there. They're not, not a lot of EVs, it's mostly gas cars. And uh, the way I got that is by I'm sorry, give me one second, because I don't know how to set up my stuff here is using this number. So about in 2021, it costs about $10,000 a year. This is all in costs, right? So about 805 bucks a month, this is car payment, insurance, gasoline, so on and so forth, right? So 800 bucks a month, the average driver drives about 12,000 miles a year in the United States, 800 bucks divided by 1000 per month, right? 12,000 miles a year divided by 12 months, 1000 miles per month, 800 divided by 1000, 80 cents. And there are 1.4 million taxis in the United States, which is a which is a surprisingly small number of taxis, uh, to be honest. I, I was like, that can't be right. Tell me if I'm wrong. But again, Google is my friend in this case because that's that's where I can get the data. Right? There's roughly um, this is actually the wrong Google search. Uh, anyway, there is a data set that I pulled up while I was driving up. Take my word for this. I hope where it was roughly, there we go. It was roughly 207,000, no thank you, 207,000 taxi drivers in the US. And it's weird because there's like a lot of differentiation depending on what website you go to. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It's like between 200 and 300,000 taxi drivers, or between 200 and 400,000 taxi drivers, okay? And then in the US, there's roughly a million Uber drivers out there, okay? So Uber drivers plus taxi drivers, I'm calling it about 
roughly 1.4 million taxes, right? If you combine those two things. Not all of them are going to be on the road at the same time, obviously, but that's just the number of taxes that are out there. So that's a very interesting number to think about and sort of save that number to the back of your mind for the future. And these taxis, if you take Uber and Lyft and, you know, taxis in New York and so on, you sort of throw these together into a bucket, an average amount, roughly it's about $1.50 per mile, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending where you live, you know, sort of how much, um, what surge pricing there is, demand for the um, taxis, so on and so forth, right? So I will just set up a baseline of how many, uh, a baseline, right? A baseline of how many vehicles are out there every single day, roughly-ish, in the United States and how much it costs to run them. So about, uh, call it 100 million-ish non-taxis at about 80 cents a mile, and then somewhere around a million taxis, which again, sounds low to me, so do help me understand that number better, but maybe it's not because it's just a way more efficient use of vehicles, which kind of makes sense, um, at about $1.50 per mile, right? So weighted, it's probably closer to, say, a dollar per mile if you take those two um, things. But let's just use... 80 cents as the baseline. If Tesla were to achieve 60 cents per mile with a robo taxi, right? Hypothetical. And we'll kind of go through and kind of walk through if that's actually possible. That's about a 20 savings, more than 20% savings uh, to typical vehicle ownership, right? So 60 cents versus 80 cents is more than 20% safe. Uh, more than 50% savings versus an Uber driver, right? Or, or being an Uber rider. Uber is about $1.50 depending on average where you live. So if Tesla is able to get to say 60 cents per mile or below, then uh, the entire market opens to Tesla, not just Uber replacement and robo taxis and lifts and, or sorry, Uber and taxis and lifts and so on. The entire equation gets changed. And the reason why I used 20% less, the way I think about it is typically there's people out there that own cars today. Let me go to my face right now because I'm, I'm doing commentary now while we <laughs> wait for the data in the background. Um, there is a lot of people today that out of those 100 million drivers that own the cars because they want to own a car. They get a lot of um, use out of it, right? It's not just a transportation vehicle. They use it to take road trips. They use it to share with a family member. They carpool with it from time to time. They like owning a car. They just, they're just car people, right? But then if you start getting to a point where the vehicle becomes significantly cheaper or the way to get from point A to point B gets significantly cheaper and you're still able to retain your quote unquote privacy and the perks you get from owning a single vehicle, then the entire equation of car ownership gets switched entirely. And in my head, it's like, okay, if somebody's able to save more than 20% of their cost minimum, then that starts to open a lot of that 100 million car market in the US, not just robot, not just a taxi uber replacement and so that's why i have that number in there and that's going to be helpful to think through as we go through the different uh scenarios that i have lower in the thread right so the question becomes can tesla can tesla get to a point where it's less than 60 cents per mile so here's how i think about robo taxi within this context of lowest possible cost to the consumer tesla is incentivized to create the highest safety right because full self-driving really what it's doing is not just getting you from point A to point B, it's doing so much safer than a human, or so is the claim, at the highest unit to increase adoption as human, as, as largely as humanly possible and to meet demand needs, 
at the lowest cost in order to maximize adoption. Yet again, another lever. So Tesla has to do this at the lowest cost possible to ensure that a full self-driving sustainable future is picked up, right? At the end, consumers choose based on cost. If you want the pie, right? If you want the pie, you have to win on cost. It's not just or or value added to the consumer at a low enough price. If you use the iPhone as an example, if you compare it to phones of the past, one could make the argument that the iPhone is significantly more expensive than owning a freaking flip phone from back in 2000. But the value you get from an iPhone is unbelievably more. And so the value per dollar spent on the iPhone is much better, right? But you still got to get through a certain scenario that or a certain threshold that says I can actually afford this technology. Okay. So Tesla is incentivized to ensure that the cost of robotaxi is as low as humanly possible. And so within this context, robotaxi should have the slowest drivetrain, which minimizes the batteries needed. And with 4680s, Tesla can create a battery pack that's probably cheaper than 30% of the batteries today. And this is not difficult to sort of like conceptualize, but imagine right now Model Y and Model 3 are using uh, drivetrains that make the cars go pretty fast. Even the base Model 3 and Y are what? Zero to 60 and over five. That's a quick car. I remember back in the day when I had a, uh, I was obsessed with like Subaru, uh, the WRX uh, STIs. That was around that range. Now you can buy Tesla for that. But if you minimize the need to invest into the drivetrain to make it as fast as possible, and instead use very, very small drivetrains that get your car up to speed, but it might take eight seconds instead of five to get to 60. Why else would you need to go faster if you're just worrying about taking people from A to B at the safest possible rate, right? So that automatically makes the battery smaller. You don't need as many cells to power a weaker power unit, which already makes the car lighter, which makes the car more efficient, so on and so forth. And then you start getting this. We all know this in the Tesla community. We understand this, you know, limiting factor, Sandy Monroe, these people have walked us through this. Like they've done an amazing job. Dave Lee, Rob Maurer, SMR. I can go through the list, right? We all know this, but most people don't <laughs> to this day. Most people don't know this, right? And this is, we really need to make sure we understand this within that context. So. This means that if you take a battery and a drivetrain cost for robotaxi, potentially within that context of smallest drivetrain, smallest battery possible, then you could potentially get to a drivetrain and battery combination that costs about $10,000 to Tesla to as a cost, right? Drivetrain and battery. And so how does Tesla minimize the rest of the vehicle cost, right? And I think that's the biggest question, the biggest thing let me get back to my face again, because I'm so professional with these things. That is the where my head goes to is like Tesla has the ability to get the drivetrain and the battery as cheap as humanly possible. But how can they make the robotaxi as cheap as humanly possible, period, where the rest of the robotaxi can be as much to produce or even less than $10,000? If you think about Model 3, Model Y, the battery pack is probably a third of the cost of the car. How can they get it to be 80% of the cost of the car while the drivetrain and the battery are the ch are as cheap as humanly possible? That means that you then have a car that's going to be incredibly, incredibly cheap. And so where my brain goes to, and this is where I would really like to talk through uh, as folks come in and we talk discuss this live in, in the comment section as we go through this exercise, 
is the way for Tesla to maximize, to minimize that cost as much as humanly possible is through simplicity. And we know this. Tesla has been a huge proponent of removing costs. What's the best process? No process. What's the best part? No part. Tesla with Model Y uh, versus Model 3, the uh, giga casting and the um, structural battery pack, they went from what, 300, 400 individual units for that entire system, maybe more, to three right? So that, that's how Tesla thinks about this. So simplicity, and then Cybertruck said another one, Cybertruck, you take that to the next level, you create an exoskeleton, and you have zero paint. <laughs> so you remove the remove the paint job. And so RoboTaxi, in my opinion, that's it's the next generation of that removal of costs, removal of processes, simplicity. And so where my head goes to, okay, so what is the next thing you could remove from a car or a vehicle? general assembly. Why not? Right? If we are building Model Ys and Model 3s right now with single piece castings, if we're building a Cybertruck with the benefits of the Model 3 and Model Y with the castings, plus no paint shop, those cars, vehicles are still have the need for general assembly, which means that they still need uh, people that work that general assembly line to put in the trims and the, you know, the, I guess not the seats really with the Model 3 and Model Y because they come up with the battery pack. But somebody still has to bolt it, I think. Maybe not. Maybe it's all done automated. But anyway, you know, wiring, putting in the screen, so on and so forth. You know, ensuring the IP goes in, right? The the, the instrument panel, so on and so forth. So how, how can we remove general assembly? And this is before even the bot gets created, right? I'm, I'm talking about how do you just get rid of the process entirely? Like, you don't even need to do it. Why even do it? Why even have a bot do it? Just don't do general assembly, right? So that's where my head goes. And then I started going through a role play of, okay, how could Tesla actually do, like, why would Tesla want to do this? Could you even sell a car without general assembly, right? And when I say no general assembly, I mean very, very minimal, like as as, lo as little as humanly possible. Try to eliminate it completely. So then my head goes to this. Tesla should sell RoboTaxi as a shell, okay? Could simply be a box on wheels. Uh, Building the safety equipment comes from factory. So air conditioning, safety, speakers, maybe the screens even. But that's it. That's all you do. No steering wheel of pedals, obviously, because we know this, because it's going to be a robo taxi. But then don't also don't include any seats, don't include any creature comforts, and obviously no paint, and just make one version of this thing, one version of this thing, right? So if you imagine, let me sort of uh, help you conceptualize what I'm saying. Imagine something like this, but with nothing in the inside, right? Just empty, empty, and I don't know if it's going to be glass or it's going to be aluminum on the outside or whatever, just think of it as an empty shell with the required um, safety things inside the vehicle and the screen. But the seating and everything, just throw it out. Don't worry about it. But sell it so that regulators are happy with what you're doing. So you, you, the only thing you have to worry about in this case is to get it so that if somebody were to put seats on it, it would be safe. That's where my head goes. Okay, so what does that... Farza, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Let me walk you through it. It might still not make sense. I don't freaking know. That's why I'm doing this thing, right? So you can help me. <laughs> we can help each other. Isn't this fun? I'm having fun. Are you having fun? If you're not, I'm sorry. I'm just being very nerdy. <laughs> um, so within, within that context, right? 420 watching, shout out. Thank you, Brian. Long time listener. Important numbers here. If you'd go drivetrain in um, batteries, 
and you just think about the shell itself, then the total cost of this thing is probably around $20,000 if I'm if I'm just conceptualizing it. But you're removing a lot of the costs associated with the interior, with the seating, the trim, just anything that would make it pretty. Okay, so let's walk through that. And forget about the margin part. I'm not even worried about the margin part because I think the rest of it is even more impactful. Um, so what do you do with these one version robo taxis that are essentially completely customizable from the interior? You sell these to fleet runners or individuals even that want to purchase these robo taxis and outfit them with whatever they'd like, with whatever they'd like. Right. So imagine having a robo taxi that has like a floor where you could have some fittings where you could bolt in seats or you could bolt in bolt in, I don't know, a desk. You could bolt in uh, a living room. You could bolt in an office. You know, you could bolt in a bed. I don't fr you could bolt in seven beds. I don't really care what you do. Right. But you offer a platform kind of like a standard for fleet runners to create products or services rather in this case that will meet the market demand from these robo taxis because this is where my head goes to right within this context when you have a car that that drives itself and you don't have to worry about driving the thing the entire concept of what it means to go from point a to point b completely changes it doesn't just become i sit there and i watch the thing go by and i pull out my phone all the opportunities that we're not even thinking about open up. And so what is one way to maximize the market um, satiating those needs? It's to provide a, a platform and a, basically a shell, an empty shell for new markets to arise and new companies to arise that go on Tesla's proprietary network and product to build out all the different customizable things that could be part of a robotaxi future, not just transportation. You know, like in my head, I was going on this uh, road trip to Pennsylvania, right? And we were on the road 1500 miles from Austin to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. All right. And my wife and I switched, by the way, Model Y, best road trip car of all time, like best freaking road trip car, different video, different topic. But I was like, man, dude, like the, the, the possibilities are endless here. Like it's almost like an RV that drives itself. Right. And then you have all these creature covers. That's one solution. But then if you're commuting and you go into work, maybe it's a robo taxi operated by a fleet owner that's optimizing for workspaces. So maybe it's got super comfortable chairs where you can sit down and do work while you're, I don't know, going to meet somebody for lunch, two hours, three hours, four hours from here. I don't, I don't know. It's just, that's kind of where my head goes, right? That space becomes a, an open platform for people to take advantage of in whatever way, um, the market is demanding. And then you give the fleet runners the ability to customize those spaces, right? So. Um, high occupancy versions, commuting, working, luxury travel, entertainment, sleeping, sightseeing, anything, anything. These are added to the Tesla network, right? So Tesla would still operate this. And they've talked about the Tesla network before master plan part two. Don't forget one of the last things, create a Tesla network. This all runs on the Tesla network. So say I'm Farzad's uh, fleet. Farzad's luxury travel fleet of robo taxis. Okay. I bought a hundred robo taxis from Tesla and I'm going to use their proprietary sort of standard that they have, uh, which is, uh, has gone through regulation 
and regulation has signed off on because these vehicles are orders of magnitude safer than a human. And I'm able to offer my version of what it means to be a luxury travel. And then I can list these on the Tesla network and I'll charge, I don't know, 50 cents a mile, 75 cents a mile, a dollar a mile. I don't freaking know, just whatever you want. But it has my flair of that robo taxi. And I'm able to sort of offer that service for that specific market for those specific robo taxis. So th think about it within that, that, that perspective. Right. Um, and then obviously, since this is on the Tesla network, every time somebody lists their robo taxi, uh, thing on the, on the, on the network, then the Tesla takes a cut because they're using that network. It's no different than Uber. It's just, you now have providers that are customizing these robo taxis for specific needs that might be needed in the market. Um, and then, so if we go through a cost exercise here real quick for this, high occupancy fleet operators can purchase RoboTaxi for 20,000 bucks. As an example, outfit them for $10,000 for a high occupancy version. And it has six seats in there. And I don't know, maybe some place to put your luggage, just, you know, whatever you want to conceptualize. And sizing is something we'll talk about. Alexander, I saw your comment from before I was glancing at it. I would love to think through that because what is the size limit for this thing at this point? Are there different sizes? Now, within this example, if you purchase a RoboTaxi from Tesla for $20,000, the fleet provider outfits it for $10,000 cost to the fleet provider to make this a high occupancy RoboTaxi. And they put six seats on there and you charge 20 cents a mile, which is 60 cents cheaper than your typical cost of driving a car. All right. And it's 50% occupied. So at any given point, time, you have th three passengers instead of six, and you're only operating it for a hundred miles a day. That's a two year return on investment already. <laughs> That's $15,000 per year coming in from that robo taxi. If you bought the robo taxi for 20 and you're offering the fleet services or you're, you're outfitting the fleet for $10,000, right? And then we can think about, okay, what does the cost of FSD within, within that, within that context? But that $15,000 per year number is, is really big because that's a two year ROI on the thing. So if you're spending $30,000, you get your money back in two years. And then from that point forward, one Robotax is making you 15 grand a year. That's a lot. That's a lot of money just for a very basic use case example. Different use cases will be different cost to consumer fleet operators compete for services and price on Tesla network. So Tesla becomes the provider of the platform and then these fleet providers and the customers drive what the market wants and how much it costs. And you create this very competitive landscape of different robo taxis and what they offer. So you could have multiple high occupancy robo taxi providers, but they might offer a little flair. I don't know. One of them just plays reggae all the time. The other one oh, freaking has a bong in there. You can get hot. I don't fucking know, dude, just think of stuff, right? I mean, this is the craziness of this thing. You can do so much with this thing. And it's going to be incredibly safe, way safer than anything and way cheaper, right? Brand new markets start to appear with excellent return on investment, return on investment, because these never existed. It's kind of like a super awesome limo that costs way less than it does right now. Operators decide to customize RoboTaxi to heart's content. Possibilities are truly endless. Ultimately, this optimizes for lower cost option to customers since Tesla maximizes units out of factories due to simplicity. And then Tesla outsources 
all the labor to upkeep RoboTaxi, right? Because they're not the ones really running each individual unit in the fleet. They've outsourced the fleet running to whoever wants to take on the RoboTaxi and outfit it however they want, right? And competition on Tesla network drives diversity and low costs. So think about it this way. When RoboTaxi comes out, how many different variations of a RoboTaxi are going to exist to fit different market needs? And why would Tesla want to take on all those different versions? Why not allow to mark the market to come up with their own flair of it? You know, why anytime if Tesla were to take on the fleet responsibility and the different types of robo taxis that would exist, I think that creates too much complexity for Tesla. And that's why I think and Tesla has always talked about simplicity. Just the best part is no part. The best process is no process. This is one way of doing it. And then you maximize the ability for um, <laughs> you reduce the risk of being called a monopoly. That's another pro of this. Because if Tesla really has the best self-driving tech and they decide to take on the fleet and it becomes a huge success, the freaking the government's it's come they're coming after them. If you put out uh millions of truck drivers out of work and millions of drivers out of work and the ripple effects of having uh, that sort of situation, then you start opening the door for attention you don't want. This does two things. It it outsources all the fleet costs to somebody else that wants to take it on, and it vastly reduces your ability to be called a monopoly. Because all, you're just selling the units. Like People are just running the fleets. You're not monopolizing transportation. Everyone's taking a cut out of this thing, right? In the end, RoboTaxi will open a brand new market that's never existed, and Tesla should capitalize on the ecosystem that customers will access to hell whatever their heart desires for that day at the lowest cost. Okay? How long have I been talking for? 33 minutes. I can talk for hours and I won't even know that I'm out of stream. I'm freaking got a problem. Anyway, that's how I think about it, right? Summary. Tesla creates one version of the RoboTaxi. The interior is fully customizable. They'll work with regulators to come up with a standard because the RoboTaxi is going to be way cheaper, uh, sorry, way safer to operate than any sort of car. It's going to have superhuman abilities. It's going to be airbagged out to to heart's content. It's going to have so much safety capability. It's going to be insane. And that opens the ability for, for a lot of customization within the vehicle. You don't have to be so strict about different things. You can really customize the hell out of the interior. But then instead of you taking on the responsibility of running a freight and, and ensuring that your cars are clean until, you know, I don't know, Tesla starts cleaning cars 10, 20 years from now, you outsource all that stuff to the market. The market decides what how they want these robo taxis outfitted and then the tesla network becomes the place for people to hail these things from multiple fleet providers and you have different flavors of different fleet providers for each use case some for work some for luxury some for travel some for commuting some for anything sightseeing anything so that's how i think tesla is going to approach this but i would love to hear your thoughts so this is what we're going to do I'm going to post the link for you all to join the stream with me because this is we're just having an open forum y'all if you're here watching the recording this is how we do the live streams but i hope you're enjoying the recording i'll try to timestamps are a pain in the ass by the way they're so hard to do here's the link i'm going to pin it to the top and if you have a thought if you have a question i'm not looking for people to just outright disagree with me here. I'm just putting out a thought so that we can perhaps try to visualize the future a little bit better 
so we can prepare for these things. If you're somebody that has, I don't know, a few thousand or tens of thousands of dollars saved up and you're trying to capitalize on a future market that's going to show up and then Tesla comes out with this and, you know, they flip the switch. If, if this has helped you think through that market, thank goodness, because then you can go way faster than anybody else can. So that's kind of my hope of this. And it's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun to sit down and have this sort of conversation to try and predict what the future is going to do. Right. So I posted I posted a link on, on the thing uh, and I pinned it to the top of the comments. If you want to join in and share your comments or thoughts, please do. Um, I'm just here to learn. I just want to learn about what we've talked about. So let me go read some comments uh, while we wait. Um, here we go. So Sonny says housing crisis solved trailer parks with bathroom facilities plus remote work robo parks. That could be one use case for it, right? Uh, maybe uh, they follow the Coca-Cola Coca-Cola bottling distribution model. Yeah, maybe. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, if you do join, my one requirement, actually I have multiple. <laughs> make sure you have decent audio. So make sure that your audio is up to par. Uh, your uh, video must be on so I can, I'm able to see your face. And uh, try to have decent Wi-Fi so that we can uh, hear your connection okay. Okay? So those are my three requirements. Somebody has joined. I don't see their face. So we'll just give that person the pass. But from now on, please, if you do join, make sure your camera's on so everybody can see you. This is way less scary than you think. We're just talking. It's like, that's the community. What are we going to do to each other? Kill each other? Come on now. All right. Six, can you hear me, my friend? Yes. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. Sorry for not having the camera on. Okay. Uh, no problem. What's up? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got a question. So how how do you think that the future of the um, car industry will look like in terms of uh, I know everybody's saying that uh, Volkswagen and uh, everybody else are going to go bankrupt but what do you think is the true uh, reality in the future uh, some of them will go bankrupt obviously but do you mm -hmm. think like most of them are going to do what they have said just focus on the you know, luxury cars and skip all the normal cars? Or do you think that uh, uh, some of them are, are going to end up doing non-autonomous vehicles and just focus on smaller cars? Because due to inflation, you know, people won't, uh, maybe can't afford a Tesla or, you know, the high-end car. So what, what do you think in terms of that? Yeah, I think I think the that's a great question. I think the question of how autonomy uh, resolves itself is going to be a huge driver as to what that future looks like. So in a world where autonomy doesn't exist, legacy auto, in my opinion, I think has a much better chance. Sorry, has a much better chance of surviving into the future because then you're not really having the lowest cost possible for transportation, which allows a Volkswagen and a GM and so on and so forth with all the legacy costs they've built up for the last, I don't know, hundred years in some cases, yeah. uh, they're able to compete on those markets. However, if you have a market where full self-driving and self-driving cars actually do exist, and it plays out sort of in a similar uh, mode than what I described, where the cost to transport somebody is much cheaper than owning a vehicle, then the question becomes, what's the reason that anybody would want to purchase a car, right? Exactly. When you can get from point A to point B way, way, way faster and way, way safer and way, way cheaper. So it becomes, in my opinion, it becomes a niche. It becomes, and Elon has talked about this before, you know, people still ride horses, horses, but it's for fun. That's how yeah. I see it happening. You know, you might have some super niche 
car makers that are still making uh, cars for people that want to drive. And, and, and the other question is, will, will governments even allow people to drive in the future if right. uh, if uh, self-driving car is that much safer than a human? It, you know, you can save millions of lives per year, potentially. So, um, yeah. I, so I guess long answer to your question is if self-driving doesn't happen, Volkswagen, GM and those guys have a better chance of surviving. But if that does happen, I, unless Volkswagen and those guys figure out a way to leverage Tesla's technology in some way and their supply chain to get the batteries at the lowest cost, I think they have a very dubious future. And that in itself is a little scary because there's a lot of jobs attached attached to those, right? So um, yeah. yeah, that's how I see it. I hope that answers okay. your question. Okay, can I ask another question? Uh, real quick, we have uh, people waiting in the, in the, on the okay. deck. So I, if you can make it quick, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. So what do you think happens to normal uh, public transport? Like buses and stuff, will they disappear? Uh, so the question becomes: If you're able to uh, um, hail a robot taxi that's cheaper than a bus and it gives you privacy, why would you ever ride a bus? Right. So that's a, that's, right. that's a funny, funny thought actually. All right. Thank yeah. you very much. I actually, I'm our brother, but I'm not gonna ask. <laughs> no you. problem. Thank you, Sex. Take it easy, man. Oh my God, we have Herbert Deese. Herbert Deese is back, the leader of Volkswagen. Good, good afternoon. Bill How you doing, brother? Bill coming. Um, uh, don't you think like an important uh, consideration is how long exclusivity lasts? And kind of my thought process is um, China has been accused in, in the past of stealing technology. Uh, yeah. I know XPEV was accused of stealing uh, Tesla source code. I know that um, there was an accusation recently, recently of one of the Chinese companies stealing Apple's autonomous uh, software. So especially with Tesla being based in China, I think it's not unlikely to, to assume that China is going to try to hack it and steal the technology. So we don't know how long that technology is going to stay exclusive to Tesla, even if they're the first one in. Um, mm. How do you think that factors in? It's a great question. I mean, I think so. So do you foresee let me let me ask you sort of a, do you foresee this being a China centric issue where Tesla's is uh, gets this technology stolen, say, per se, and then uh, there's a competitor in China that's competing with Tesla? Or do you think this is a global phenomenon where Tesla has a direct competitor with full self driving because of that stolen IP? How do you think, I think about that? I think it may start off with one company, but then everybody else is going to try to reverse engineer it once it's kind of like known and then it'll be available to everybody in some fashion. Yeah. And, and, it, might, and it could conceivably, the Chinese company could try to license it first. Yeah. <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to get there because I do think Tesla's uh, lead when it comes to engineering and problem solving is uh, beyond anybody else, even folks, even the folks in China. You know, I, I do think they have a talented workforce and they've shown a trend of like stealing stuff for sure in the past. But I still th I still think Tesla has a lead. But even if that were to play out, uh, Tesla obviously still exists because they're going to be a player in the market. But what's going to be obvious is that there's going to be a ton of you know competition either for the wrong, right or wrong reasons, and that's going to continue to drive costs lower. So instead of you know self-driving and transportation being I don't know an eighty percent margin business on the software side and maybe twenty percent on the hardware side, maybe it's zero percent on the hardware side and it's five percent on the software side. I don't know. So that's kind of where my head goes. It, yeah, it puts yeah, a lot of I pricing pressure. 
Yeah, I agree with you. That's ultimately what I was thinking is it might be a lot less valuable than we think it's going to be because it's going to be a lot mm. cheaper than we anticipate. That that's a likely scenario if there is a lot of competitors. Now, are you are you thinking this is a like a ten year time scale, fifty year time scale? How, how do you ten, think this plays out? Ten to twenty, somewhere in there. Ten to twenty, yeah. Um, I like to think that Tesla probably has a longer lead than that. I think they'll be safer for longer because it's not going to be as simple. I don't think as just stealing IP, plopping it in a car and make it go, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. There might be more comp uh, less complexity to it than I think, but something to watch out for. If that does happen, we'll, self-driving will be so damned. I mean, the win will ultimately for the customer because they'll be able to go anywhere for nothing. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. You know? make transportation, like unbelievably cheap. Yeah, but the valuation of Tesla then then changes. Then so what I will do moving forward, since you put, kind of sort of put that in my brain a little bit, is I'm going to look for clues to see if that is actually happening once this thing starts rolling out. And if it does, then we really need to start seeing and okay, is this going to be a legitimate threat in, in the long term uh, ability for Tesla to become sort of this in incredibly profitable machine? And are they just going to revert to like say a Samsung or like a super low margin? Uh, basically a commodity provider, right? right. Uh, so I'll keep my eyes open. It's a great thought. Yeah, right. I appreciate you bringing that up. Take care. Be well. All right. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. Right. That's a great point. What do you guys think about that in the comment section? You know? Because I, I do think, I do think stolen theft is, or uh, stolen theft. What does that mean? <laughs> stolen IP can be a problem, especially as we move to a, towards a more software-centric world. There is obviously a pairing of hardware in this case as well. So Tesla, their software might be used by somebody else, but if Tesla is able to crank out a factor more robo taxes than anybody else, they still kind of have a gigantic lead, right? Because they're still able to dictate the, uh, the, the market from that perspective. So, um, but that was a great, that was a great thought by Herbert Deese himself. Is he on, I think he started his vacation. Is today's last day for the Volkswagen? You have a question, comment. Come on, come on in. I've seen Alexandra um, throwing away comments that people want to see you. <laughs> Anybody, come on, ask your questions. We'll go for for a, a few more minutes here, however long we need to go, to ensure we uh, we hit some um, some key points here. And I, and I really appreciate everybody in the comments. I've seen a lot of comments come through, so thank you so much. I sorry if I can't get to it, uh, but I really do appreciate your input. And I and I do see that there it's creating conversation in the comment section as well, which is ultimately what I love to see because I'm I'm just one head. I'm, I'm, I'm one brain who is sometimes too optimistic and naive. So I need your help <laughs> to fix me <laughs> in, the, in that respect. Uh, what about uh, Kevin asks, what about large events such as concerts and sporting events? Catching an Uber after those types of events is a nightmare. Exactly. Why not have a robo taxi that where you can see a live performance while you're driving through the Grand Canyon? Make the robo taxi fast enough, put a freaking band in there, and then you have like a stage within the robo taxi. Why not that? Why not take it one step further? Like, why wouldn't you have that? But that's another great point. You know, like a lot of the use cases for robo taxi become uh, apparent. We got another caller in. Alex, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Can you hear me well? Is it yes, sir. I can. Okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just uh, based on the everything I've been hearing about robo taxi, I've been thinking. Once transportation is like uh, cheap and common, I wonder if people like will switch to like for entertainment purposes, switch to like instead of 
driving cars to like uh for like transportation because you don't need to get it to work and stuff you can just drive it more for like races and fun more how there'll be like more custom like more custom vehicles rather than like infrastructure you'll see more people building their own like vehicles because why would you need uh a car for like work or like anything else mm-hmm. when you can just build it from the ground up to like uh like make it more personal you know what i mean because when there's a million Teslas out there, a million robo taxis taking everyone wherever else, like, like yeah, sure, I could get in a robo taxi, like, to do that. But that's that will become normal after a while, and then people will be like, oh, I, I, I want to build my own car, I want to build my own electric Tesla, I want to like, and then they'll be like, there'll just be so many new things that you, you just came and thought of, and that's like something I personally want to uh, do in the future, like, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, uh, that, uh, that's a great I thought. I really like that because you're you're so the, the kind of thought process here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's going to be so much of the same thing going on on the road that it's going to really push people to be like, yo, I want this thing to look like my own. You know, I want this yeah, thing to be like my own thing. Yeah, yeah, there'll be new, I don't know, new, new sports, new, new groups of people. Like technology, technology as a whole will just make things so easy that people will just like that the only challenge you'll get is from like doing thing, like making a name for yourself out there by like trying to break yeah. from the crowd. And I feel like custom cars, custom robots, custom races, even if you just buy a normal Tesla and then customize it to like change yeah. yourself, you just that there'll be more people and there'll be a more need to like show out and like be unique and all that stuff. It'll be, it'll just be pretty cool is what I think about. Yeah. And yeah. then, and I mean, then I really like that thought too, because it's like, if, if it becomes so cheap, to say quote unquote own a car that's money yeah. you save to customize the car too right yeah plus the economy yeah. would just like after after a tesla bot especially the economy would just be like well yeah. what even what would, what would you do with your time when you're just like what are you just gonna go to work every, what, what even is work every day what, so uh, true. you know what i mean uh, what would you yeah. do for the whole time i personally i kind of just want to race and be, be like okay. make my name out there so i feel like that would be like a just more things people actually want to do more like a yeah. a better future you know what i mean for sure so, yeah like yeah. the artistic part of like every human comes exactly, out exactly you know? exactly it'll, yeah. just, it'll it'll be expressed a hundred times full because no one will need to yeah. like do the mundane of things just to support themselves and all that stuff just to even not having to drive to work would just be such a release that you'll just yeah. have free time to it <laughs> I'm, I'm so not true. about to work soon, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you'll design your car in the self-driving car and then you'll customize your car, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. man. No, I got to build it from yeah. the ground up. Not like All something right. more personal. Yeah, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, I like yeah. that. All right, man. Take it easy. Thank you so much thank for calling. You, Bye-bye. Bye. Awesome. Great. You know, that's when time is freed up, what happens? That's that's a great thought. Customization, right? The customization of things. So, Gerard, what's going on, man? What's up, Farzad? Nice shirt, man. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Twinsies. Look at that. How can I help you? Yeah. Um, how easy do you think it will be for like the individual who has FSD to like turn their car into a robo taxi in the future? I mean, like mm. I have a performance model three with uh, beta and like I, I'm contemplating not even getting FSD on my next Tesla just because it's going to be so expensive. Um but like, and I have a hard time like being like letting my car go out, you know, with people using yeah. it, it might get dinged up. It might, the interior might get messed up. Um, 
do you think people are going to have a hard time adapting to the individual going to FSD like RoboTaxi or do you see it not even being an issue for a lot of folks? Um, That's a really good question. I So the way I think about it is, so let me kind of walk you through how my, my uh, thinking has evolved about this. So back, say, a couple of years ago when Elon was really, you know, when he said FSD was six months away, you know, for however long it's been, I'm like, okay, so there's going to be, once this thing is complete, it's going to be Model 3s and Model Ys and Ss and Xs acting as, taxi, as taxis, right, w without a driver. But that's within the, um, like, confines of what a car is today. So you have a lot of things that are built into the car that sort of limit your ability to fully customize the interior to a, to a, for a passenger, right? Because you still you have a, a driver side and then you have all this weird safety equipment and trim and pockets and all this weirdness, right? So... I do think there will be an option for people to add, say, a 3 or a Y to the network for those that want to. Uh, but I, I, I think what's going to end up happening is that the robotaxi, the, the dedicated robotaxi that Tesla is likely to build is going to be such a cost-effective and such a high unit production solution that those are going to be so plentiful in comparison to the Model 3 and Y that instead of doing that, just buy a robotaxi for nothing and put it on the network. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think about it. Um, so it's going to the market will naturally transition away from people making money with their Model 3s to people buying, I don't know, three or four robo taxis and throwing it, throwing it on the network. That's yeah. how I think about it. I don't right. know if that makes any sense, but yeah, that makes sense. You think you think Tesla's going to allow like older models of like Model 3s and Ys that have FSD like to become or even become a robo taxi or will they like cut it off at some point? Like the ones that still have steering wheels or you know, the like that'll kind of not be like approved for robo taxi. Uh, no, I think as long as I think as long as it's if it fits a certain safety threshold, um, and yeah, as long as it's safe enough for somebody to ride it, why would you waste the car, right? I think at that point it becomes a question of how much are you willing to put it on the network for. You know, it becomes a, a market competition standpoint. You know, so just say you want to put your Model Three on the Tesla network but you're competing with a bunch of robo-taxis that are cutting you by 50% or more, then it might not might make economical sense. So I think they'll be, especially early on, while this thing gets ramped up, people, I think, should be able to add their Model 3s to the network. I'm not an Oracle, I have no idea, but that's how I see it. But over time, it'll just, I don't think it will make much sense from a cost perspective, unless you offer like very specific nook and crannies, like specific things in your Model 3 that differentiates yours versus a robo-taxi. So yeah, yeah, that's how I think about it. Make your car All right, man. If your car's making money, then why why not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you jumping on. Cheers. Take it easy. Bye. Eric, how you doing, sir? Hey, how you been, man? Good, man. How you doing? Good. Wish I wish I knew you were coming up to PA, although uh Bethlehem's a little bit a little bit of distance away from my house being uh west of Pittsburgh. So Oh snap, that's a six hour drive. <laughs> and then yeah, it, one thing I missed about being in PA is that everyone from Pennsylvania calls Pennsylvania PA and everyone outside of PA calls it Pennsylvania. So you saying PA confirms that you're from PA. <laughs> yeah, once you get What's down up, to man? Texas, you realize how big PA is isn't. I know exactly. <laughs> it's so insignificant in the United States. <laughs> So Listen, I, I love this talk of robo taxi because I'm literally trying to talk myself into becoming uh, running a, a robo taxi mm. network. But I kind of can't wrap my head around how it's going to start and what it's going to be. I, I've talked to you before about 
I think honestly, I think they're just going to take over airline travel because mm -hmm. the point to point travel for like, you know, short, just like to say, if I want to go from Pittsburgh to Cleveland, it's only an hour and a half drive to try to do that in an airplane. It's like yeah. four hours. It's ridiculous. You know, so I think they're just going to say like they started talking about the boring company drilling this this line from, I guess, uh, Fort Worth all the way up to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And I mean, can you imagine just connecting four major cities like that? It'd be yeah. amazing. And, and you could do that trip in two hours or something where on yeah. the roads you, you, it would take four or five hours to do. Um, so it, it's a, it's just hard to figure out. Like, how are they going to start this? Because I always thought they would start it with like local delivery. Like mm. your local Walmart would would buy up a bunch of robo taxis and they'd be the, you know, grocery delivery vehicle. Mm. You know, just automated. It would do it automatically. No, no delivery driver. Just show up at your house or or Domino's would be the, the first one to get uh, pizza delivery automated. And the, the vehicle would just show up outside your house. You'd go out and get, you know, the front would open up and there's your pizzas. You know, mm. but then I also thought about that point to point travel because, I mean, I know damn well, I'd much rather walk outside of my house here and get in a robo taxi and go to sleep and wake up in, at my destination. Right. You know, right. So I, I think that would be an, a phenomenal option to yeah. have. But it, it's just it's just just is it going to be regional is it going to be national? What's it going to be? It's so, so I think exciting. If I were to guess, if I were to guess, uh, I think they'll start where most taxis are today, which is like cities. That's going to be like number one. Um, they'll they'll start with that use case first because that's going to. I mean, Tesla is essentially going to have a monopoly for taxi drivers because they're going to be so much cheaper than the competition. And they, they won't even need to be, right? So if your average cost per mile in New York City is $1.20 or whatever that number is, RoboTaxi can just come in at $0.80 cents and then boom. They, that's, if they have enough RoboTaxis, it becomes a monopoly, right? So they can use that that sort of use case to really build out their, their, um, their uh, network. And then over time, it starts going regional. And then over time, once these tunnels get built, then it goes, you know, more, you know, state to state. And then if it makes sense to take a robo taxi from, say, Philadelphia to Boston, then going to Philadelphia International and taking a flight over to Boston, then that becomes a use case for the robo taxi. So that's how I think about it. I could be 100% wrong, uh, you know, when it comes to the transportation model. But I foresee that happening only because it's really going to allow Tesla to enter a market that already has a need for it at such a low price versus the competition that it's going to be a no-brainer for them. So, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It's just so exciting because there's yeah. the opportunities you can just, if you sit down and think, I have a vehicle that doesn't have a driver, what can I do with it? Yeah. Anything you can do with a vehicle with a driver, that's what you can do with it, you know, and it's just, it's endless. So yeah, really cool topic. I, I can't wait to hear the, uh, model y best road trip car because i i think eventually yeah. we're, we're going to replace our vehicle with a model y someday so awesome okay cool i'll make sure to put that out soon then just for you eric <laughs> and Thank hey you, just so everyone yeah. knows i am not related to jared or gerald okay. <laughs> gerald <okay. laughs> i'm looking at gerald i'm like this guy could be my younger brother <laughs> 
Eric is lying. No, just kidding. <laughs> Take it easy, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Bye. That's awesome. Y'all are awesome. Can I just say, what a cool community we're building here. Look at this. David, how's it going, hey, brother? Where's that? I've been following you since the beginning. Uh, it's amazing to be able to talk to you. Thanks, uh, man. Likewise. Thank you for jumping so, on. Something that I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about is Tesla Semi. I think part of the reason they've been delaying the production of Semi is because they don't want to sell it to people. I don't think they want to sell a truck for 150,000 or 180,000. The margin is not going to be great with the amount of battery that it's going to have in there. So I think with self-driving, it would make way more sense to own all the Semis and run a fleet uh, where you're going to transport, you know, for a certain fee. Um, I don't know how many semis in, in the United States. It's not as many as cars. It would be easier uh, number-wise uh, with the software and all their expertise to be able to run, you know, a business like that. And it would make more financial sense than just, than just selling a truck for 180000 even 200000 because they can, can probably make that in a year. Mm. What do you think mm. about that? Yeah, I think I do think the reason why Tesla has held up semi is I think it's more to do with the fact that they don't have enough batteries to build it because it's so much is so much supply per vehicle, you know, like how many how many model Ys could you build with the same number of batteries in a semi? You can probably build four, maybe five, yeah. right? So from that perspective, and that's where all your demand is. So I think Tesla's looking at the demand dashboard and then model Y and three and S and X are up here and the semis down here. They're like, okay, why would I put batteries here when I need to get this demand down? Right. I need to, I need to get supply up to where demand is at. So I think that's, the, that's, that's been the primary reason why now I could see how the, if they wanted to run a fleet of semis, um, which I, I don't know if they do like, that's sort of like where my head goes to with the robot, like it's similar to the robo taxi. I think Tesla is going to prioritize, in my opinion, they're going to prioritize offering a, a network and a, basically a, uh, a, a, an ecosystem for people to join, uh, or, or to, to purchase these, uh, robo taxi services uh, through the network, but it's going to be run by fleet runners. Cause I don't think Tesla wants to get into the complexity of having a fleet of semi vehicles, you know, and I, and I came from distribution, you know, that's sort of my background and we dealt with, um, uh, three PLs, third party providers all the time. And, and we also uh, deal with, uh, logistics companies and trucking companies. Like it sucks, bro. It's not an easy job. And you have, you have to deal with, uh, with, uh, you know, if accidents happen now, you could make an argument, semi autonomous semis are going to get in way less accidents for sure, but they're still going to be traveling with a bunch of different drivers on the road. And God forbid, one of them makes a mistake that could be multiple people dead, not just one, cause they're so giant. So I think, I think they want to outsource a lot of those things to different parties. So they don't have to deal with it. So they can just focus specifically on building enough units for the market to buy them. And that's how we transition everybody to a sustainable future. That's how I think about it. I could be wrong because you, you do make a great argument that if you can make the economies work uh within the company it makes more sense for tesla to just keep the trailer and just run it as a service and pocket 100 of the margin but then that also you have to build in a bunch of complexity onto the company to make that happen so um yeah. i could be wrong but that's how i think about it yeah especially with full self-driving but right. i mean that i'm picturing it is like a company can be like i want a truck here i want it to, uh, to drive there and the truck shows up they load it up yeah. it goes 
destination and the, you know whoever is picking up the content just picks it up and tesla just offers the truck and there's no driver so there's i don't know maybe i'm simplifying yeah. because i'm not familiar with the industry <laughs> you could way. be right i mean you could be right i mean you've you've outlined the sort of the the base sort of needs of running that sort of uh business like that but again i think there is a complexity of uh being responsible for the truck itself and actually running the operation, you know, upkeep of the semi, upkeep of the trailers. What if a trailer's not there? You know, I can't tell you how many times a tractor trailer will show up at a location and the trailer's just not there. And the warehouse will be like, oh, we're not ready for you. You know, okay, so what happens then? You know, like it creates a lot of complexity. And then there's people always hammering uh, truck, tr you know, tr truck companies on timing and being there. So over time, that's going to become much, much less complex because you're going to take the human out of the equation. You're just going to allow the robot and the AI to run the whole thing. But that's decades. And I don't know if Tesla wants that sort of complexity in their business. So, but you could be right. It's going to be interesting to watch regardless. So thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, you coming on. Thank you for following the, uh, the channel, man. Appreciate you. All right, we got uh, Roslan. How you doing, my friend? Good to see I, you I'm again. I'm good, Father. How are you? Good, man. Hey. How, can, how can I help you? Yeah, uh, I have a few questions. You know, um, one question is kind of concerning right now about that energy problem, which is, I mean, regardless, it's in Europe, it's here. Uh, the car needs to be uh, charged, right? The battery needs to be charged. Is it either mm. it's humanoid or Tesla's, you know, and Elon is recently saying, you know, like we, we, Europe countries, you know, you have to pump gas. I mean, you have to uh, put something to burn to produce, you know, energy. And I, I'm really a fan of, you know, that sustainable energy. And in fact, I bought a house and I have a roof which is facing to the south. So which is like uh, mm. maybe my next roof would be solar roof. And I'm in Wisconsin, you know, but I'm looking more like for the package. I want a solar roof. I want to, you know, um, have uh, uh, power packs. I want to, you know, everything kind of interconnected by, by one contractor, but not buying like pieces, you know, and then you don't know how to connect it together. Because, right. you know, different contractors have. And uh, unfortunately, I contact here, you know, in Wisconsin, you know, in Glendale, we, uh, we have uh, uh, Tesla. And uh, we said, no, Wisconsin is not really, you know, we are not doing any solar. You can find local, local, local const, uh, contractor, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we, we can do it for you. But other ones that, you know, if, if I'm not, don't have that sustainable energy to, to power bots or, you know, power my Tesla, mm -hmm. I, I have to rely on the, you know, grid, electrical grid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if, if that price goes up, which is, you know, right now, I mean, everybody like in Florida, you know, we, we are expecting that. How we are going to manage that? I mean, how we, uh, other one, you know, supporting Elon, you know, buying the stock, you know, how we can support uh, transformation, you know, to, to this without um, having that, you know, Keystone pipeline or something. Maybe that's a big, big question, but, you know. It's huge. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. you're fine. I, it's a great I mean, it's a great thought exercise because, you know, it does sort of puts it puts into perspective just how to this day still 10 years into Tesla really selling cars in earnest, just how behind 
our uh, energy infrastructure is, not just in the US, but globally, right? So that that's the highlight. So the way I think about it mm -hmm. is the more electric vehicles there are, especially if the advent of robotaxi and say full self-driving really kicks up to and takes transportation to just ridiculous levels, that right. becomes a giant red flag to society that says, we really need to take this shit seriously. Let's clean up the grid and actually start moving in earnest to sustainable energy. So there might be like, right. you know, it's kind of like how Tesla helped uh, get GM and Ford and all these guys, maybe they, he, he accelerated their transition maybe t by five to 10 years. I think mm -hmm. the adoption of electric vehicles and robo taxis will do the same thing for the energy grid, but it's gonna take a long time, but at least it's a forcing function, right? So the way yeah. I view it is as long as there's a forcing function to that direction, that's all you can help for because the world is a freaking mess. It's so yeah. complex. So as long as you're forcing it towards a specific direction, that's all you can ask for. And if you can move it faster, Great, but yeah, it just it, it's a phenomenal question. It just highlights how behind we are, you know. Okay. Yeah. And do do you think it will affect the delivery deliveries? Because I heard you know some some of the cars you know the the buyers you know they wanna postpone the delivery, uh, but I don't know if it's related to you know. Do it, I think the the lack of sustainable energy is is delaying deliveries? I don't think so. I mean, no way. For, for example, if I have electric car, I have to charge mm. it. But if I see uh, energy prices goes up, comparing to the gas, you know, maybe I will still stay on the, you know, gas car and not, yeah. you know. If uh, if that's part of the equation of somebody switching over where they're really trying to buy the car because they want to save on fuel, but, right. but electricity is more ex expensive than gas, which that something really ridiculous would have to happen because you think about petroleum and gas is also part of the energy grid as well. So one right. would assume that if, if electricity prices are up, oil is probably up too because, you know, that's an energy source sure. as well. But yeah, I think if that mismatch i would say is incredibly unlikely to happen but if it were to happen then the next question becomes what is the why are people buying the electric car and or why are people buying tesla in particular specifically why are they buying that car be, you know it's more like a mission you know i want to save in sure. but if i don't have sust sustainable as i said the package which i can right. charge in my car it, it's not it's inconvenient you know go to and try to find in wisconsin you know some rapid charge you know station or sure. something you know uh, but you know i can put it plug it overnight i have for example you know solar which i you know i i i store it during the you know daytime and you know charge it at right. night yeah but yeah. yeah it's it's kind of complex but i think until until that um kind of service provided i i, I don't see any yeah. reason to switch right now i mean yeah it's, yeah, but but I think I think over time there will be a forcing function just because of how little demand there right. will be, you know, or, or how much demand there's going to be for electric vehicles that it's going to force a diversity. And once that diversity starts kicking in and you start really, really lowering the cost of sustainable energy, which in the long term is going to be way cheaper because you just set up the system and you're done, right? Instead of you have to build, you know, you have to go mine the oil. And, now. I mean, or, you want to touch it right. now, you know, it's, it's right. kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, another five years you know and then then what you know yeah yeah so. it's a great question it's a great question but one one that's warrant uh uh i, I think it's it, it's going to force the hand for us to move to that next generation of energy and that ultimately that's what i'm excited for because it's just going to happen and then and then you start layering in why people would want to buy teslas or electric vehicles in particular like there's just we're just going to have a giant push towards 
getting everything towards more sustainable energy sources. So, um, yeah, we'll, but we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see what happens. So thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Like thank always. You. Thank you, brother. Bye. Grimshaw. How's it going, man? Oh, you're muted. You have uh, your little, there might be a mute button on the bottom there. You can, uh, there, there we you go. go. I got you now. How you doing, sir? Awesome. How you doing, man? So I was going to get my Thank black you. salad poster in there because I know you love the, uh, the yeah. classic metal. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. an original poster that. from 75. That's sick, yeah. dude. Yeah, is it signed or no? Uh, no, no, no. But it's uh, okay, one okay. Yeah, just uh, got that as a gift at some point in my dude, life. Dude, that's so sick. That is so yeah. sick. What can I have Love you? your channel, man. Love your channel. Uh, got Thank a question you. about uh, Tesla semis. When Elon was uh, announcing it at the event, he was talking about uh, the efficiency and the cost reduction and it got me to thinking that um, what will that do for goods and services and potentially battling inflation down the road? I know we're still a little ways away from that, but maybe three or four, maybe five years from now, we'll be seeing like a market um, improvement over those costs. Mm. So, so, sorry, so that, that's a comment or question. Sorry, I, I, I may have. Well, well, the question is like, how much effect will the, the semis, because he was talking about it's cheaper than rail, and I'm thinking shipping mm. goods around the country, you know, that should, you know, do you think it will be uh, a big effect, a big impact on the cost of goods and services? I gotcha. Yeah. That, sorry, I, I misunderstood your question for some reason. My apologies. No um, I, I obviously it, it would, right? Because you think about what is the, what is the percentage of the cost uh, that's associated to a product when it comes to transportation, right? Sometimes it's quite large. So you have to think about, uh, you know, when you're thinking about what gets stored in a trailer or what gets shipped on a plane or whatever else, whatever the mode of transport is, depending on what you're shipping, a certain percentage of that cost that gets passed on to the seller is transportation. Usually the, like, for example, what's, what's a good example? Dog toys. When I used to uh, work for a, for a pet food distributor, dog toys were, a, were, a, you know, just little things that cost four pennies, you know, that are manufactured in China. You sell them at a, a, a quite a big markup to try and offset the cost that it would take to ship those things to the, to the consumer, especially if you're a small box store, like say, uh, like a PetFlow or a wag.com or something online. Once the transportation mode becomes basically a, a factor of the cost that it was before, then you open up this uh, sort of ability to come down dramatically in cost, right? It, it will impact higher ticket items less because as a percentage of the cost, transportation is cheaper. So for example, transporting um, a car from, uh, say, California to New York, uh, the truck might cost, I don't know, 2,000, 4,000 bucks to transport eight cars. But if the car, say you're shipping Maseratis and they're 100,000 pops each a pop, it's a small percentage of the cost. But the more you go down the list, especially if they're larger items with cheaper costs, so like furniture, for example, like they're very large, but a lot of them are very affordable. Transportation is going to be a significant part of that cost. So as your transportation gets cheaper, then things that are large and cheap, especially come down in price dramatically. And mm -hmm. so I think that's one big place where it could really help. And then, and then you start also influencing the modes that people will choose to ship stuff, you know? So like right now, for example, one of the equations is, and now you're getting into my supply chain days. So thank you very much for doing this. Um, <laughs> You could choose, a, a, say, a plane over a, a truck, or you might want to do a team truck to get something to your location two days faster than it would if it's just one driver going cross country, right? But that costs a lot more. But if, 
but if the four day trip of the one car becomes so, uh, that one truck becomes so cheap because you don't have a driver and it's running on electric and it's running 24 hours because it doesn't have to stop right then you take that option a hundred percent of the time and that and that changes the modes that you choose as well which brings down your overall cost as well then the question becomes does the company want to keep the profit from those savings or, or do they want to pass it on to the customer exactly and then so competition will dictate when it will get passed on and if there's low competition in those areas then the company will just probably just pocket the difference so yeah i guess that's what we're gonna have to wait and see on um uh, we can have yeah. all the great ideas but if the people in the top of the chain there don't want to pass on that savings then we're not going to see that savings exactly. uh, just a quick follow-up about uh, i'm applying sure. to be uh, a tesla advisor uh in my Ooh. local city on vancouver island we have uh, a tesla location popping up and yeah. uh i was just wondering like that's essentially i don't want to you know use the wrong terminology but kind of like a glorified salesperson is sure. it the same scrutiny for um the hiring process do you think as for like an engineer or somebody else mm, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say so so i think i think when it comes to like the technical knowledge no right it's going to be much more uh soft skills right so if you're if you're going to be an advisor you're going to be face to face with people so but but the the question around uh you know uh, are you willing to really be a problem solver are you willing to wear many hats are you going to be uh do you want to work are you going to be able to work on a team environment you know are you going to be willing to step away from that role to try to help other things that might be happening are you willing to bring in new ideas uh you might have to work some crazy hours sometimes if something crazy happens right so those things apply throughout the entire culture of tesla but then when it comes to the specific knowledge of say an engineer versus a sales advisor obviously they're super different but the the core behind are you here to ensure that we make the company better every single day and we're moving faster towards the mission of sustainable energy then that applies to every single role so expect expect some questions around that i think obviously you're, you're somebody who's familiar with tesla so uh having that background is super super helpful but then my my biggest advice would be just make sure that you uh that you're really honest about your capabilities of problem solving in any situation and that you are willing to work with people to get stuff done because that's ultimately what tesla does is they just a bunch of really smart people get together and they solve really crazy shit. <laughs> and that's how everything works you know so uh, that sounds fun actually you know? <laughs> yeah it's super fun thank you man good luck with awesome. your interview. Thanks, man. Or, i hope i hope you get the uh the interview, brother. Take it easy. Yeah, I'm working on it. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Awesome. All right, we'll call it right there. We're almost an hour 20. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Did you have a good time? Oh, I miss these. Yeah, that was a dope name, right? DRK says, cool name, Grimshaw. Super cool name. Why didn't I tell him that? I was like, shit, that's a cool name. Thank you guys so much for joining. So good to be back to this format. One of my favorite formats on this channel. I hope the experience was good for you. I hope uh, the information was helpful. I hope there was a good uh, conversation and good ideas that were thrown out there. Again, I don't want to come across as somebody. I just spit on my microphone. Ew. I don't want to come across as somebody that has all the answers. I don't. I, I am a moron. Do not listen to anything I say. But if there's one value that I could try and bring to you, the listener and the and the community member and somebody who supports this channel is that I'm trying to put thoughts and ideas in people's brains about what the future could look like and then use our collective brain power to help visualize what that future 
could potentially be so that we can somehow make that future better. If that is getting into a business opportunity early because you're thinking about it, right? And then offering a killer service for people or making people aware that this thing's coming so that they're able to take advantage of something that's going to be better for their lives or just for fun, just sitting down and exercising the brain to see what the future could look like. We could pick up some valuable nuggets and skill sets that apply to other things, right? And right now I'm doing this with Tesla. I'm doing this with Elon Musk. I'm doing this with SpaceX sometimes, but I want to do this for everything over time. That's like now that we're in the last few minutes of the stream, you get to see a little bit of unplugged nature of this thing, right? My long-term vision for this channel is to figure out how we can sit together and ask questions that help us visualize the future better. That's it. I don't care what the topic is about. It could be anything. That is my, I think that's my calling to be completely honest. I think that is, that's why I'm, I exist is to help facilitate those conversations. I thought I have this stupid mic in front of me. So, and that camera right there. So, um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you have a good rest of your day tomorrow, 11 a.m. We have a community forum with our community members. We'll be talking about Elon Musk's latest interview with in Norway. Uh, forget why he did it, but a uh, very awesome conversation. We're going to dissect that conversation and also talk about whatever else the community wants to talk about. But until then, thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Mwah. Love you. Bye-bye. And broadcast. Peace.